Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. For this professor raising the dead, well, we've got five days before he even comes to town to sit and think about it. Our mystery drama, The Dead Come Alive, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Murray Burnett and stars Marion Seldes and Ralph Bell. I'll be back shortly with Act One. gives us only one instance of the dead being brought to life. That miracle is accomplished by Jesus when he calls upon Lazarus to come forth, and Lazarus does. It's one thing when Jesus did it, but quite another when a mere mortal, a man of no particular distinction, claims that he can duplicate this miracle. Not only claims it, but says that he will prove it. That was the situation in the little town of Vesalia, Ohio, in 1808, as the townspeople awaited his arrival with high but mixed emotions. <laughs> what is so funny, Ralph? Oh, sure. Those darn fools standing in the road gawking, waiting for that professor to come into town. Maybe they expect him to fly in or swoop down out of the clouds. <laughs> they make me laugh. You won't be doing much laughing when Professor Marbelli brings your Rachel back to life and you find yourself with two wives. Have you talked to Edith about that? No, and I don't intend to. Because this is just a clever way of doing business. Uh, this here notice he put up in the post office about raising the dead is just a come on. He probably runs a traveling circus or a carnival. And if he doesn't? Then I figure the sheriff here and the mayor have themselves some kind of problem. Because the man must be either crazy or a demon. <laughs> Marvelli, he's in one of those uh, the newfangled horseless carriages. Calm down, Mary, please. Mayor, Mayor, I want you to promise that you'll listen to what he has to say. Oh, Lucas, do you think he can really do it? Bring the dead back to life? Do you think I'll see my Phyllis again? It's kind of hard to believe, Mary. But this notice here, this notice says, exactly at midnight on the 19th of July. Professor Leon Marvelli will be in the Atwood Cemetery of the town of Vesalia. He will bring the dead to life. Any who wish to see their loved ones again as they were in the flesh will please attend. Signed, Professor Leon. I know, Mary, I know. I saw the notice in the post office. <laughs> but those are just words. Anyone can print up a notice like that. And, and anyone who did and then failed to deliver would be a sorry human being indeed, sir. Uh, I believe I am addressing Mayor Lucas K. Yes, and uh, you must be Professor Marvelli. Lucas. And this is uh, Mrs. Mary Thatcher. I want to ask you, Professor. Uh, Mary, uh, the Professor and I have a lot to talk about. I'd appreciate some privacy. Oh, Lucas. Uh, please, Mary, excuse us. Hmm. Now, Professor, if you'll be so good as to step into my office here. Professor, I... Uh, 
I wonder if you realize that you caused more excitement in Vesalia than anything since the fair in St. Louis a few years ago. Uh, I resent that, Mr. Kane. Oh? Why? How can what I've said... Uh... Because, Mr. Mayor, you are lumping me in your mind with a carnival. A uh, circus atmosphere. I assure you, this is a serious matter. Most serious. Uh, I'm keenly aware of that. Then you are probably not personally involved. My wife of 28 years died two years ago, Professor. She lies at Atwood Cemetery today. You are a most unusual man, Mr. Mayor, to remain so calm when in a few days you can face the prospect of being reunited with your beloved. Uh, yes, well, uh, perhaps I do owe you an apology for my remark about the St. Louis Exposition. Uh, you see, Professor, I would be both excited and apprehensive if I believed you. Well, I understand your skepticism. Uh, perhaps these may change your mind. Uh -huh. as, as you can see, the majority of these letters are from various small towns in Europe. Uh, but that's because I've only been in America a short time. Now, here is one from a little New England village. Uh, don't slip. Uh, as you can also see, it's signed uh, by uh, the no, mayor. Right, just hold on. Just give me a chance here to read these and uh, we'll continue our conversation. Uh, very impressive, Professor. Very impressive. I, uh... Well, I really don't know what to say. Well, uh, what is there to say? You have read the letters? You accept them as genuine? Uh, they appear to be exactly as you represent them, yes. <laughs> Meaning you intend to check them out? Well, hmm? as the mayor of this hamlet, I feel it's my duty to protect the citizens from what could be a very cruel hoax. <laughs> yes, well, that is why my first visit was to you, uh, to reassure you. Uh, have I succeeded? Well, let me answer that by saying that before you showed those letters, I was convinced that you were a charlatan. And now I'm not so certain. Well, that is the first step on the road to belief. Why are you doing this, Professor? And why did you pick Vesalia? Yes, well, you see, I studied for many years the ancient religions, even witchcraft, which, sir, I abhor. And in my studies, I employed the latest sciences, chemistry, electricity. And, sir, I made a discovery. I can bring the dead to life. And by so doing, I can bring happiness to many who are bereaved and be paid for doing this service. I see. So it's a business with you. It's a unique service. A service which deserves to be paid. Mm. And why Vesalia? Well, obviously, most people will be skeptical, or even worse, openly antagonistic. Therefore, I must select a village small enough for me to display my ability as, say, a, a sort of a sample that will convince everyone. Oh, then your demonstration won't raise the whole population at Atwood Cemetery. Oh, oh, hardly, hardly. Although it would be possible. There will be certain people I'll select. Now, for example, you mentioned you were a widower. Yes? Now, if you will give me your wife's name... Uh, I'm still trying to make up my mind about you, Professor, so let's leave my wife out of this. Yes, yes, as you choose, sir. Uh, what about the uh, appearance? Uh, surely some of those... Uh, uh, corpses? Mm, uh, may have been dead for some time. Well, as my printed announcement stated, Mr. Mayor, the appearance will be exactly as it was in their lifetime, or on the day they 
passed over. Yes, but some people died after a long and wasting illness. Others may have died violent deaths. Uh, perhaps uh, they were even disfigured. So When a person is restored to life, that person cannot, by the very nature of the act, have any marks of death upon them. Who is it? Yes, who is it? This is Thatcher. Mary Thatcher. Remember, we met at the mayor's office. Ah, yes. Come in, Mrs. Thatcher. Well, how did you get my room number? Oh, you mustn't be angry with Jonesy. We've known each other a long time, and I, I begged him, and, and, and he told me. Oh, please say you forgive him. Yes, of course, of course. Now, how may I help you, Mrs. Thatcher? Well, how did you make out with the mayor? Is he going to try and stop you? Uh, my dear Mrs. Thatcher, surely you didn't go to all the trouble of finding out my hotel room to come and ask a question which you could just as easily have asked the mayor. No, no, this is important. You see... Three years ago, my daughter, Phyllis, was murdered. Ah. And they never caught the person who did it. And I miss Phyllis, and I was wondering what can happen. I mean, will Phyllis remember? And will she know the person who tried to kill her? I see your problem, Mrs. Thatcher. Well, what happens? I suggest... You come Saturday night and find out. Lucas! Hey, Lucas! Huh? Hold up a minute. Uh, uh, you sure set a good pace, Lucas. I guess I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, who is? What's up, Carrie? It's interesting you deciding to visit the cemetery. Come here often? Would I feel like it? Uh-huh. And I imagine you're feeling like it now. Particularly since we're only two days away from Saturday. What do you want, Carrie? I've just come from a meeting with some concerned citizens. Hmm. No names, hmm? Well, let's just say they're important people. The kind of people who swing elections. I'm asking you again, Carrie. What do you want? We want to know what you're going to do about this Marvelli and his demonstration. I haven't made up my mind. You know, this shouldn't be allowed. Not everyone agrees with you. But this Marvelli's a fake. He's going to be. Yeah, that's what I figured. But he's got some mighty powerful credentials. Letters of recommendation from very important people. They could have been forged. Yeah, that occurred to me. So I sent off a telegram to the mayor of Dunslip, a little New England town where Marvelli had given a demonstration. Do you care to read the answer I got today? No, no, I'll believe what you tell me. The mayor wired me that Marvelli's no fake. He can do what he says he'll do, bring the dead to life. Uh, Mr. Rea. Oh, Professor. I was just closing up shop for the day. Yes, I, uh, I have something I think you should see. Uh, do I have to open up my office again, or... No, no, I can show it to you if you'll walk me back to the hotel. Oh, good deal. I ate quite a few meals there since Willa died. <laughs> I'm not much of a cook, I guess. Oh, that could all be straightened out this Saturday night. Uh, you could be eating home again. Well, I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I've thought about that. But uh, oh, it's kind of... Sort of gives me a weird feeling. Yes, well, it takes getting used to, and that's a fact. 
And I know some people never get used to it. Like the committee. The what? The people who had this note slipped under the door of my hotel room a little while ago. I'd like you to read it. Uh, forget Saturday night and forget your demonstration. You'd better start thinking about how to bring yourself back to life. You've been warned. Signed, the committee. <laughs> well, Professor, I thought I knew the people of this town pretty well. But you haven't been here 24 hours, and you've turned them into something kind of ugly. Not me, Mr. Mayor. It was always there. Must have been. Now, any ideas on the makeup of this uh, committee? None that I care to make public until I do some checking. And let me assure you, Professor, I'm going to do a lot of checking. And so is the sheriff. I won't have this kind of ugliness in Vesalia. Ah, here we are at the hotel. I would eat with you, but I'm afraid that might prejudice some of the townspeople against you. Down, Professor, down! simply impossible. But what about testimonials from reputable people swearing that this was true? Would that change your mind? I confess I'm beginning to have doubts, which will be resolved when we return shortly with Act Two. Victor Herbert Love's song goes, Ah, sweet mystery of life, at last I found you. But today's mystery involves a man who claims to have found the mystery of death. Not only found it, but solved it. And he goes around bringing the dead back to life, which gives rise to some problems. Ah, uh, darn it, Lucas. I'm the sheriff. Now, this has been a fairly peaceable town till now. Now, we can't have people going around taking shots at other people. That's why I told you about it, Sheriff. Uh, you could hardly have kept it a secret. About 20 people heard the shot, and at least a dozen saw you and this uh, uh, Marvelli fella hit the dirt. If I wanted to keep secrets, I wouldn't have shown you the note. Okay, okay. Now you and I got a pretty good notion of at least one of the members of this committee. Uh, you want me to face him with it? Uh, you mean Carrie Wyndham? Well, he's the one that's been making most of the noise. Yeah, but he surely ain't going to admit having anything to do with this note threatening to kill Mardelli. Hey, Lucas. Now, you're going to have to make a stand, and soon. Did you hear me, Lucas? Uh, I I'm sorry. Uh, daydreaming again. Yeah, I know. I know. You can see it in your eyes. Hey, you really think there's uh, something to this, huh? Well, if I do, I'm not the only one. You can't count poor Mary Thatcher. She's been a little off the rails ever since Phyllis was killed. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of Mary. I was thinking of someone who was so scared that the professor might be able to bring the dead back to life that he or she was trying to kill him to stop her. Thunderation! Now, why didn't I think of that, huh? Of course! 
As far as I know, Phyllis Thatcher's the only person buried in Atwood Cemetery was murdered. Now, there may be others, but she's enough. Now, if this professor brings her back to life, she's sure shooting will be able to name her killer. That's what I was thinking. Yes, and that's all the more reason for you to say that you're going to see to it that the demonstration is held. Uh, I'll put a deputy to guard the professor. And tip off the murder? Oh, no, sir. Pete, you just hold everything for a while. All right. Quiet down now, everyone. Let's listen to Carrie. Thank you, Ralph. Without all this scabbing and fussing, I take it that the sense of this meeting is to let Mayor Lucas know that the people of Vesalia ain't going to put up with any unholy goings-on in Atwood Cemetery or anywhere else. And that we, the people, want him as the mayor to tell that to this Marvelli. All right, that's, that's right. I, for one, vote that you be the man to tell him. Professor, Mary Thatcher again. Please open the door. It's very important. Ah, oh, please, Mrs. Thatcher. I want you to come with me to the cemetery right away. You're terribly upset. Please, come in. Come in. Sit down. They're going to stop you, you know. They're going to stop you, and that's why I want you to come with me right now. Who is going to stop them? The mayor. I've just come from a meeting. And most of the important people in town were there, and they're sending Carrie Wyndham to the mayor to get him to stop you. And that's why you must come with me to the cemetery right now, so you can bring Phyllis back. Not until Saturday night, Mrs. Thatcher. But the mayor won't. I have reason to believe that the mayor not only won't try to stop me, but actually will help me. But I've just told you the that... The mayor was very much in love with his wife. Don't you agree, Mrs. Thatcher? Well, they had a perfect marriage. Everyone knows that, but... Oh. Oh, you mean Mayor Lucas thinks you really can. But when I was in his office the other day... I got the impression he really didn't believe you could. Well, he doesn't want to get his hopes up, Mrs. Thatcher. Mark my words. We'll have the demonstration Saturday night, and the mayor will be there. I didn't come to your office to play games, Lucas. Yeah, hold on a minute, Carrie. You've got to ban the demonstration and run this Marvelli fella out of town. Out of the question. What grounds do I have for asking him to leave town? Witchcraft, Lucas. That's what he's practicing. Oh, oh come now, Carrie. This is the 20th century. I'm not going to restage the Salem witchcraft trials here in Vesalia. Uh, who's talking about trials? Oh, what are we talking about? Lynching? Tarring and feathering? What have the people of this town turned into? God-fearing, public-spirited citizens. All who just happen to have relatives buried at Atwood Cemetery. That's exactly right. Now, Lucas, you trying to make it out that there's something wrong with people who don't want their dead disturbed? And what about you, Carrie? You don't have anyone at Atwood unless you count Phyllis Thatcher. I believe she used to work for you before she was killed. And what's that supposed to mean? Just what I said. Nothing more, nothing less. What you're insinuating is so vile that you ought to be made to pay for it. Believe me, Lucas Kane, this is something I ain't forgetting. 
I'll make weak your words, all right? I don't know what you're talking about, Carrie. All I said I was heard to... you. I heard you, Lucas. And by heaven, you can thank the Lord I haven't got a horse with. Because I... What? What's going on here? You and Carrie sound like you're thinking of starting your own private war. Now, Sheriff, you better talk some sense into Lucas. He's heading for a peck of trouble. Yeah, well, old Lucas is always stubborn, Carrie. You ought to know that. Now, this is a serious matter, Sheriff, and you can be in trouble, too, unless you can persuade Lucas to stop this godless demonstration in Edward. Your job is to run Marvelli out of town. <laughs> Happy with you in a minute. No hurry, Ralph. I'm not a customer. Okay. Back so soon. Just let me lock up and you'll tell me how it went with Mayor Lucas. Yeah, darn near closing time anyway. We got trouble, Ralph. Lucas still back in the filling, is he? Oh, yeah. And I don't think we're going to get much help from the sheriff either. Yeah, I figured that. You did? Then why did you send me over there? Because you'll sound more convincing for what I got in mind. Well, we don't have much time. Today's Thursday. Saturday's coming up on us fast. What's the idea? Money. No wonder you're the richest man in Vesadia. You think money can fix everything. Name me one thing it can't. Death. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Because I'm betting that money's going to keep the dead dead. The professor doesn't need money. Everybody needs money. You're going to try to bribe the professor? You, you use the wrong words. We're going to make a business deal with the professor. You have any idea on how much he wants? I know what we're going to offer him. We? We're all in it together. We're all going to chip in. How much? How much is it worth to you, Carrie? How much are you putting in? Look, I'll show you the figure we're going to offer him, and then we'll decide on how we're going to uh, prorate it. You seem to have it all worked out. Oh, I figured it would end up like this, and I've been thinking about it. <laughs> now, here's the amount. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's quite a sum. Where are we going to get that kind of money? Well, here's another sheet of paper. A list of names and the amounts that you and I expect them to contribute. It all adds up. And suppose these people don't want to enter? That's why I want you to go along with me to help persuade them. Come in. Come in, gentlemen. Make, make yourselves comfortable. Well, I am sorry I cannot offer you any refreshments. We are not interested in the refreshments. You already know, Mr. Wyndham, my name is Ralph Jameson. Uh, I own a hardware store down the street. Ah, yes, yes. I would like to know the purpose of your visit. Uh, business, Professor, business. We're here solely on a matter of business. Professor, there are a lot of people who don't want you to put on that demonstration tomorrow. Yes, I'm well aware of that, Mr. Wyndham. Are you also aware that these people are willing to pay you a nice round sum for you to cancel? Oh, oh, dear me, that does present a problem. Uh-huh. But not, I hope, an insoluble one. Well, Mr. Jameson, in my profession, I would be the last person in the world to say anything was insoluble, particularly if there is cooperation. What's the problem? Well, a number of people are desperately anxious to witness the demonstration. 
But not so anxious that they've offered to pay for it. Oh, no, I... no, 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 not yet, not yet. But past experience has proven that people who are anxious quite often... Three thousand dollars, Professor. Uh, well, I know you don't intend it as such, but that is an insult. Ah, uh, let's quit horsing around. How much you want? I, I haven't even mentioned what this cancellation will do to my reputation. How much? Uh, Ten thousand. Uh, <coughs> I said we were uh, businessmen, not a terrible institution. <laughs> we just might be able to go to four. Seventy-five hundred. You're pricing yourself out of the market. We might just be forced to let the demonstration go on. Now, Professor... I want you to look me straight in the eye, and you'll know bargaining time is over. Our final offer. Five thousand. Cash. No checks. Cash. Yes, well, we have a deal. Oh, but there is one other matter. I told you the bargaining was finished. This does not concern money. Well? Yes. Well, you understand, this is my life work. Now, I am willing to call off the demonstration to accommodate you, sir. But I must have a letter from the mayor saying that my demonstration was indeed held and was successful. The mayor wasn't part of this negotiation. Nevertheless, I must have the letter. Believe me, sir, this issue is not negotiable. Without the letter, there is no deal. Ah, uh, understood. We'll be back this evening with the money and the letter. Lucas will never agree to write such a letter, and you know it, Ralph. Uh, you may be right, Carrie. Then how could you commit yourself to deliver the money and the letter tonight? Do you want that demonstration called off? You know I do. Then we darn well better put our heads together and find a way to persuade Lucas to write the letter. Or... Or... Find another alternative. I heard the professor, and I just don't think there is any. Short of murder... Anything that's ever been said has been said best by Shakespeare. And speaking of murder, the famous bard said, For murder, though it hath no tongue, will speak with most miraculous organ. It would certainly be a miracle if a girl would rise from the dead to point an accusing finger at her murderer. We'll find out in Act Three. cemetery. A classical setting for hauntings and dark deeds done when the moon hides behind a cloud. But the little town of Vesalia was looking forward to a tumultuous, rousing demonstration put on by a man who claimed to be able to raise the dead. Oh, 
stupid machine. Do what you're supposed to, you stubborn ignorant. That's why I stick to my horse, Professor. Oh, yes, well, I do not sit well on a horse, Mr. Mayor. So I use this uh, modern miracle. Yeah, if tonight's demonstration is a success, there are going to be a lot of folks who will figure you can just get up on your broomstick and fly away. Tonight's demonstration? Yep, you laid down a challenge to me and the sheriff and we accepted it. We'll be there. There is something very wrong here. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I want you to look at this. Uh, what's this? Uh, I never wrote this letter. Yes, but it is on official stationery, and it is signed by you. A forgery. Who gave it to you? Oh, dear me. It would have been so much simpler for all of us had my machine started. Uh, you figured you'd have been home free after you skedaddled. Well, I was leaving, true, but in a perfectly honorable fashion. I, I thought you all knew about it. Well, now you know I don't. So you just tell me who gave you the letter. Oh, dear me, I, I fear that would lead only to complications. I hope so. If I give you the name, would you then allow me to leave immediately? What's your hurry? Well, I wish only to avoid the complications that you look forward to. You're in no position to bargain. You show me a forgery and say that you got it from somebody you refuse to name. It just could be. That you wrote that letter yourself, since it sure as shooting gives you a good reference. Yes, I see your point. Then let's have the name. Uh, uh, Carrie Wyndham. Before anybody says anything, I just want to let you know, Lucas, that I have work to do in the church, and I don't appreciate the sheriff dragging me over to your office in the middle of the afternoon. I think you know Professor Marvelli. Yeah, sure. Now, what's this on? Uh, have you ever seen this letter before? No. Don't you think you ought to take a look at it before speaking up, Carrie? What? Oh, sure. Let me see it. Like I said, I never saw it. Well, now, the professor says that you gave it to him. You ought to know better than to believe anything he says. Uh, if you don't believe me, perhaps you'd believe Mr. Ralph Jameson. I suggest you check with him. Ah, good afternoon, Sheriff. Professor, what brings you down to my shop today? Uh, well, somebody forged Lucas' name to a letter. A letter sort of giving the professor a pat on the back. Now, he claims uh, Carrie Wyndham gave it to him. Now, Carrie denies it, and the professor said to check with you, so well, I'm checking. Well, I'm glad. It's time for both of us to face up to what's been happening and what might happen. I'm asking about the letter. I made a business deal with the professor. He agreed to cancel the demonstration. For the letter? For $5,000. Enough of this evasion. I am used to being met with mistrust and skepticism, but not with deceit, uh, cowardice, and lying. Now, you just hold on a second. You admit we made a deal and I forked over $5,000? Which I will now proceed to return to you. Oh, not so fast. You can't just decide to... With the treatment I have received here, I can do anything I want. Mr. Jameson, here is your money. The demonstration will proceed as scheduled. Uh, we made a deal. You can't back out now just by giving back the money. You didn't keep your bargain. The letter was a fake. Oh, well, I'll get you a good one. I'll go to Mayor Lucas myself. Now, the time has come for straight talk between me and the mayor. Well, how about straight thinking, Ralph? 
You call yourself a businessman and you, you let this here con artist pick your pocket on nothing but empty promises. Now, uh, Lucas knows he can't deliver. Uh, that's not the question. Lucas has been so wrapped up in thinking about him and Willa that he never even bothered about anyone else. If by any chance the professor can deliver, what happens to me and Edie when Rachel comes back and finds us married, hmm? Or all the others who've made lives for themselves. What happens to them, Sheriff? Oh, nothing. He's just a faker. Your words echo your ignorance. Never once did you ask about the difficulty of working this miracle. Or the danger of dealing with those forces I unloose. But tonight, Sheriff, you and Mayor Lucas come and see for yourself. Yes, if you have the courage. What do you really think, Lucas? Do you think that the professor has any chance of raising the dead? Yes, somebody does. Somebody who's a murderer and whose whole attention is focused on not being caught. Or even chance it. He's willing to kill again. Took a shot at the professor. Or forged your letter. Yeah, maybe. Now, that's why we're going to Carrie's house. Gotta get to the bottom of that letter. Whoa, whoa. <clears throat> There you go. I'll tie him up. You tell Martha we're coming. Lucas Kane and the sheriff. Don't tell me you're coming to see me. Uh, no, Martha. We wanted to talk to Carrie. Oh, that's a shame. He came home a while ago looking, feeling so poorly. I sent him right to bed. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Martha, but... Uh... It's real important that we talk with him. Tell him that we're here and we'll be waiting in the parlor. I hope we can make this short, Lucas. Martha told you I was under the weather. That's up to you. All you have to do is tell us the truth about that letter. I never should have gone along with Ralph. I knew he was too sharp for me. Are you saying that Ralph wrote that letter? He talked me into writing it. You mean he paid you? No, not a penny. It was easy. He knew I wanted that evil demonstration stopped. Yeah, badly enough to forge my name on a letter. Carrie done what he thought was right. You ought to leave him alone. Martha, you know something about this letter? Look, just what I hear now. And, of course, what I heard at the meeting we had about raising the dead. No God-fearing person can hold with that. Uh, Carrie, you must know forgery is a serious crime. What the professor was fixing to do was a bigger crime. And that's your entire stake in this? Oh, don't sound so surprised. I'm not the only one. There's Ralph and all the other good folks who put up the money. Oh, well, money is one thing. What you did is something else. And besides, I can understand the way Ralph felt. He was thinking about his situation with Edie if his first wife were to come back. Exactly. And most of the others have folks lying at Edward Cemetery whose return might cause some problems. But you and Martha haven't got anyone at Atwood. By the way, you're keeping after poor Carrie. You'd think he'd done something terrible instead of trying to put a stop to godlessness. Martha, that's just what sticks in my craw. You and Carrie sure know what's right and what's wrong. Yet Carrie went ahead and committed what he must have known was a crime. And for what? I told you. You told me, but you haven't sold me. When I found out what you'd done, I wanted to put you in jail. I don't blame you. Well, I do. 
Maybe Carrie did break the law. But you two are making a great big thing out of this, like there was some importance. Martha, there's a murdered girl lying in that cemetery. And her mother's frantic to have her brought back to life. But how do you think the murderer feels about it? What are you saying? That whoever killed Phyllis Thatcher would have a big stake in stopping this demonstration. I can see that, Martha, but... As I remember it, Phyllis used to work for you three days a week, Carrie. And I was wondering if you'd try to recollect if there were any friends she had in particular. Maybe some young fellows who used to hang around. You know the sort of thing I mean. Oh, sure, but uh, I hardly saw her. She wasn't a very good worker, you know. No? Uh, Martha, you oughtn't uh, speak... Then why did you keep her on, Martha? Why don't you just take me to jail, Sheriff, and leave Martha alone? Better ask Carrie why I kept her on. Now, Martha... It's all over and done with. Uh, what's over and done with, Carrie? Oh, you know women. Martha somehow got it in her head that I was taking a shine to Phyllis. Oh, taking a shine to Phyllis? Oh, my God. He was out of his mind about her, mooning over her like a lovesick calf. And she encouraging him. And the both of them laughing at their secret little jokes when they thought I didn't hear. Now, Martha, <laughs> calm down. You'll be getting one of your spells again. Spells. Spells. That's what that little slut cast over you, all right. And you worrying about whether she was doing too much. Well, I was working my fingers to the bone. And the two of them. Always carrying on. Whenever she had to go down to the cellar, Carrie would be running down those stairs like he was a boy of 16. Now, Martha, I'm telling you to keep quiet. Now, keep quiet. It's got to be too much, too much for any decent woman to stand. And so I, I, I followed her one day, and I took Martha. I Carrie's hat laughing and that giggling and that talking, and I killed her. Please, Martha. <laughs> Mrs. Wyndham. Oh, don't worry, Lucas. I'm not hysterical. I just think it's so funny. <laughs> I made myself a sinner. I killed that girl because I thought my husband didn't love me. And now... Now look what he did just to stop my sin from finding me out. <laughs> That's enough to make anyone laugh. <laughs> Come in. Well, good morning, Mr. Mayor. Oh, morning, Professor. What brings you here? I thought, seeing as how I was instrumental in helping you solve an old murder and catch a killer, that uh, you'd change your mind and write me a letter of reference after all. Professor, I admire your gall. Oh, not at all, not at all. If you stop to consider, you must admit that without Marvelli and the notice of the demonstration... Which never came off. Only because some of your fellow townspeople wanted to pay me enough so that I needn't. Uh, uh, admiring your gall is one thing, but writing a letter to help you continue with this swindle is quite another. The only letter that I'll write for you is one stating that you helped a murder investigation. And if you don't want that, take yourself and your schemes and your newfangled motor car and get out of town.
believe in someone having the power to raise the dead. But how about fate? Here was a murder, undetected for a number of years, and finally uncovered only because a swindler chose Vesalia as the target for his scheme. For scheme it was. Records show that in the 19th century, there was a real-life con man who preyed upon the superstitious and the gullible by undertaking to raise the dead, and then accepting money not to do so. I'll be back shortly. Did you ever want to own your own... always the same dream. Or is it a dream? The blazing red flames light up the midnight skies. There's the basin ear-shattering clamor of the great bronze war horns. The shouts of the men, the screams of the women, the clatter of sword and javelin, the smashing of battle axe and mace. All of this seems to be exploding all about her. There is no escape. And just when it appears that she must be engulfed by it, swept away by the surging storm of murder and destruction, she opens her eyes, and she is somewhere else. Somewhere else. Miss Nelson? Yes, Dr. Miller? Where? Where? Why, in my own room. Home. Well, why didn't you say so? Uh, I don't know. Well, the normal, the usual way to describe this sort of experience would be to say... Then I opened my eyes and I was back home. Why did you refer to your home as somewhere else? I told you I don't know. In the dream... Doctor, I don't know how this is going to sound. But I'm not sure it's a dream. Well, what else could it be? I have to keep saying I don't know. Whether it's a dream or reality, you seem to be in a place. Yes. It seems to be... A medieval place. I feel it's more than a thousand years ago. And there's a war. Yes, the long ships are always attacking some fortified place with a wall around it. A stone wall. Never a greater slaughter of heroes. A struggle of standards. A hurling of javelins. A crash of the charges. A wielding of weapons. That has passed over. So this may be sung. Yes. Yeah. Go on. With what? <laughs> With what you were saying. You were speaking... Well, it sounded like a poem. It didn't seem to have rhyme, but it had a rhythm, a, a rhythm to it. And what was it about? You don't know? Oh, Dr. Miller, I don't have the faintest idea. Oh, well, listen. It's on tape. A wielding of weapons. That has passed over, so this may be sung. I said that? <laughs> well, I, I, I suppose I did. What does it mean? Well, where did you learn it? Well, as I, I've told you about the whole business. I don't know where anything comes from. I don't know what anything means. Well, you don't usually talk like that, do you? Like what, Doctor? With a kind of lilt and rhythm. Uh, I don't know where anything comes from. I don't know what anything means. I have these bad dreams, and they seem to be more than dreams. In what way? In every way. I... I'm leading a life that seems to be active and noisy and dangerous. Well, doing what? 
Attacking medieval towns and cities? Oh, that's only a part of it. And it was because Thorfinn needed the gold and the jewels. Uh, who is Thorfinn? I don't know. Well, you just mentioned his name. Oh, doctor, these words, they just keep coming out of my mouth and I don't know why. What am I going to do? Oh, Mother. Yes, I'm feeling fine, just fine. I expect him here any minute now. Yes, Mother. Mother, there's no point in your going through it. I can recite the entire argument by heart. A, Harold is an excellent catch. B, I must not let him slip through my fingers. C, I'm not getting any younger. D, what do I want anyhow? Oh, Mother, he's here now. Yes, dear, I understand. <laughs> yes, Mother. Do you want me to keep Prince Charming waiting at the door? I will. I'll remember everything. Goodbye, Mother. Yes, 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 yes. Harold! You always seem surprised to see me. Well, come on in. Uh, uh, are you feeling better? Better than what? Well, better than you were last night, last week, well, actually all month. Would you like some coffee, Harold? I, I, I thought we might go to a movie tonight. Oh, all right. It's an excellent picture. How do you know? Well, all the critics say so. And before you invest four and a half dollars for a seat, you should avail yourself of the best possible advice. Uh, would you agree? Of course. Everything in this life is an investment. That's why you should research everything thoroughly. Now, now, now I, I fell in love with you, Edith, but it wasn't at all haphazard or accidental. I mean, do you realize that? I really hadn't thought about it. No. See, first, I found out all about your family, and then I found out all about you. Well, what was there to find out? My life has been an open book. Oh, but such a sensible book. Well, only one thing worries me. Well, I wouldn't exactly say worries. It's the fact that you've been so nervous this past month. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you go to the doctor? Yes. And, and what did he tell you? Oh, very little. Practically nothing. Harold, would you mind if we didn't go to the movies tonight? Oh, uh, of course not. I seem to have this headache. You poor darling. The best thing for that is rest. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I have a whole pile of work I could take care of tonight. Well, then why don't you do that? Oh, that's what I love about you. You understand that a man has serious obligations to his job. Well, of course. sleep so early. Oh, we didn't go out. No. Harold had work to do. Mother, I'll name the day. Yes, of course. Certainly. Goodbye, Mother. I'll remember. I'll remember. Oh, why am I so tired? Oh. Uh... 
Romanov. Be still. This must be the house of Gottlieb Carson. Yes. And you are the fair Edith. Ah, the minstrels for once told the truth. They said that Edith Goodleaf Stater was the most beautiful maid in all of the northern country. And who are you? Ask me first who I was. Till just this moment, I was Thorfinn Kerjudsen, master of a long ship of 50 rowers, strong, bold men who fear nothing and no one, neither the living nor the dead. That's who you were. But who are you now? Now? <laughs> I am poor Thorfinn, the slave to command of the fair Edith. Speak, my lady and mistress. I have nothing to say. Know this. I do not fancy silent women. My wife must sing and dance and speak in riddles and runes and be merry the whole day long. I am sure you will find such a one. I have found her already. And who is this fortunate maid? You shall be my bride. No. No? I am the fiancé of Harold Olofsson. Oh, why, that fat farmer. My father has pledged me to Harold Olofsson. And that must be the end of the matter, my brave Thorfinn. The matter will be ended only when you become my wife. And you will... Fair Edith. You still have those dreams, Miss Nelson? Yes, Doctor. What do you know about the Vikings? Not very much. In a general way, I seem to recall they were sailors and pirates. Yes, among other things. Now, why should you dream about Vikings? Was I dreaming about Vikings? Well, I did some research on the things you've been telling me. The references, the names... All these are Viking. How do you account for it? I don't. I can't. Well, your name is Nelson. That's of Scandinavian origin. Yes. Is it possible you could have heard all these things at home? No. Are you sure? Oh, yes. I mean, my father was of Norwegian descent, I think, but he died when I was very young. I never knew him. Well, still, there was the family. No, his parents were dead. He had no other relatives. And my mother's people were English, and so... Actually, the only thing that's Scandinavian about me is my father's name. And you never read any of those things? No. I'm, I'm more interested in science. At school, I was great in math, and, and that's why I became a computer programmer. Well, for some reason, you have an affinity for the Viking period. It has dominated your dream life for well over a month. Have you dreamed of anything else? No. Do the dreams seem to be taking more definite shape? Yes, I think so. I mean, at first it was just a, you could say, a welter of activity all around me. And now I, I seem to have become someone. Oh. Who? Well, for the past several nights, I have been a girl called Edith Goodleaf-Stater. Edith? The daughter of Goodleaf, yes? I'm promised to a man named Harold Olofsson, whom I don't love. Harold. Wait. Isn't your fiancé's name Harold? Yes. And you're not too enthusiastic about the marriage, are you? Well, that's true. So I am beginning to think that this may be why I'm having those dreams. Well, my dear, it would account for why you're having dreams in general, but not for why you're having those dreams in particular. And there's another man. A handsome Viking. Well, he's a pirate. Thorfinn Kurdutsen. Uh -huh. And do we have a modern equivalent on the scene here? No. But you're waiting for him, aren't you? I have been. I'm 
I'm 32, and... Well, you know, I... No, you're not happy. No, and I won't be happy if I marry Harold, and I won't be happy if I have to be alone, and so it's a... Dilemma. And since you can't solve it, you try to escape in dreams. But are they dreams? Yes, but why Vikings? And how do you know so much about them? Uh, so you started having these dreams, you say, about a month ago? Yes, Doctor. You didn't have any dreams even remotely like them before? No. Why did they begin a month ago? What happened? Was there an event? An event? What sort of event? A month ago. That would be, um, June 3rd. A Saturday. You came in here... I say I have the record. Uh, June 14th. Now, you told me you were having those dreams. You remembered the day they began, Saturday night. So what happened Saturday that could have triggered them? I don't... Now, don't say you don't remember. We're going to put that day together. Now, what happened on Saturday, June 3rd? That seems to be changing your whole life. Obviously, something must have happened. But what? It's true that a single event that may last only a moment in time can change the direction of one's entire existence. But tracing it down may be almost impossible. Because it doesn't have to be something big, bold, dramatic. It could be something as hard to pin down as a wink, a smile, a whisper. I'll be back in a few minutes with Act Two. Our dreams we go journeying says the poet true but where and why why one dream and not another and why are some so real and others so dim and confused what is a dream is someone trying to tell us something if you can't answer these questions you're in distinguished company neither could all the great scientists psychologists and philosophers Saturday June 3rd remember it Yes, Doctor. Why? Uh, was it a special day? Well, any day's a special day if I don't have to go to work. <laughs> well, that tells us something about your job. What did you do on that morning? I went to the old Renby place. Oh, I mean, the Renbys have been dead, gone these past 20 years. The property belongs to the state now. But nobody minds if you go there and pick cranberries. So you went berry picking Saturday morning. Alone? Yes, Harold was out of town. Well, did you spend the whole morning there? Well, you don't just go to pick cranberries. You enjoy the fresh air and the sunshine, the view. You bring a book and a sandwich. Well, what did you do afterward? I went home and I wallpapered my bedroom. That took all afternoon. Then I went to my mother's for dinner and we talked a while about, you know who. <laughs> we watched TV and then I went home and to bed. And that night you had the first dream? Yes. On TV, did you see a movie, perhaps, about Vikings? Oh, actually, we watched a baseball game. My mother's a fan. And that was Saturday, the 3rd of June? Yes. Have you told me everything, every little incident? Let's start again. While I was picking berries, I tripped and fell. Is that the kind of thing you want? Yes, yes, go ahead. And I saw this funny piece of iron lying there on the ground. Iron? Well, I could tell it was very old because it had that uh, rippled sort of look. Uh, describe it. It's about eight or nine inches long, and on one end of it, 
it's about an inch or so wide, and it sort of narrows down to a point. Like a knife? Yes, a knife. What else can you tell me about it? It has some marks on it. I would say it might be some kind of writing. In what language? Well, I don't know. I'm not even sure it's writing. What did you do with it? Well, I brought it home. I mean, you know people are always finding things around here from colonial times, so I I used it as a paperweight. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to see it. But what would it have to do with anything? Whatever happened to you on that day, the 3rd of June, could be of the utmost importance. Good morning, Edith Goodley Stater. Ah, the pirate. Yes. This is what I like best about you. The daughter of one of the most powerful earls in the land. 